0: Welcome to FedScoop's podcast series on IT modernization in government, underwritten this week by HID Global. I'm your host Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we're talking about the future of identity authentication for government agencies. Our guest today is Eve Massar. Eve heads up product marketing efforts in HID Global's identity and access management government business. Among other accomplishments at HID Global, he played a key role in assisting the Department of Defense's creation of the U.S. DoD Common Access Card Active ID CMS, and also the market-leading PIV credential. Management system and active client middleware. Eve, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: So zero trust security architecture is changing the way IT leaders think about fortifying network security to give the right person access to the right application at the right time. And this includes identity verification tools that can move agencies beyond just using username and passwords. But while the federal government already has established a strong physical identity verification method with PIV and CAC cards, the government is still working on developing the right virtual standards and approaches. So Eve, can you describe where you see PIV and CAC cards falling short perhaps in helping agencies meet today's needs with their identity authentication and for those that are accessing federal government resources?
1: Yes, I think that there's three challenges area. The first one is in order to provide a seamless and secure experience. Uh, PIV and CAC, they essentially need to be properly plugged into the ecosystem uh, that the federal agency uses. And there was a huge effort about 15 years ago to PKI-enable, CAC-enable, PIV-enable applications. Uh, but uh, with the ascendance of uh, cloud applications, with the modern smartphone coming around, there's a whole new generation of uh, application and environment that. Today, maybe don't support as well Kak as uh, what the government was using maybe five years ago. Another area is also that to secure your environment, you need to look at all your user population. And it's uh, not just about the people that have PIV and CAC. The federal government actually has a large population of uh, users that might not be eligible for those. There might be uh, short-term personnel, that there might be contractors that still need access to application but might not be on site for long enough. And there's also all the partners that the government might do uh, business with, whether it's at the regional or, or national level but also internationally as well and those users need credentials that are secure that let them access to, to the application and the data that they need and then finally there's also challenges in terms of uh, being able to provide those credentials to your users and with the shelter in place that uh, are happening right now a lot of the enrollment and identity proofing uh, station that uh, normally would be used might also be closed for the time being
0: Well, that's a really great point. So what are some of the key steps that federal policymakers are taking right now to give agencies greater flexibility in deploying virtual identity and authentication solutions?
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of work over the past few years in the, in that area. NIST published a few years back uh, the third revision of their identity guideline that is often referred to as SP 863-3. And they really tried in with that uh, revision to look at all identities and, and try to provide a lot more flexibility instead of having one size fits all. Um, what that means for the department is that when they assess risk and they assess what they're trying to protect, uh, the department can really make a decision in terms of what kind of credential they provide to their users, how do they identity prove their users, uh, depending on what the the application requires instead of having a benchmark that applies unilaterally or uniformly across the the whole organization, uh, which provides a lot more flexibility for the, the department and the agencies. And then uh, you also have OMB that issued their memorandum M1917 that essentially mandated agencies to implement that SP-863 from NIST into their uh, policies, really uh, encouraging organizations to take advantage of that flexibility uh, that was uh, built in by NIST. And then, you know, uh, back to looking at the current situation, uh, there's many agencies that are also providing guidance on how do they adapt their uh, uh, regular standard and regular processes and workflow so so that they can still do uh, business until the situation goes back uh, to normal. And there's a lot of agencies that are looking at uh, things uh, such as how to implement supervised uh, remote enrollment, for example, being able to enroll and identity proof your users without having them to, to show up to to a physical office and having to stand in line and and really uh, helping practice social distancing, even when it comes to uh, generating your your secure identity.
0: You mentioned earlier about the impact of uh, cloud expansions for agencies, and we know that agencies have been taking greater advantage of cloud-based and as-a-service platforms. But why should agency CIOs consider identity as a service in their suite of solutions?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it, it really follows the, the general cloud trend. A lot of it is about how can I be focused around doing my core business instead of doing all those ancillary things. An um, identity, when it's done well, can be very, very complicated. And leveraging that as a service means that you will not need to have as many specialists in-house uh, in order to do that properly. But instead, you'll be able to rely on, on your service provider to do that. And then beyond just, you know, in terms of cost and expertise, there's also a, a, an added benefit that comes with that, which is if you are a service provider, provides identity not just for you, but also many other organizations, uh, that service provider can provide not only um, economies of scale but also can start providing added capabilities or benefit that comes from that service provider being able to have a wider picture, not just at the department level, but they are able to have a picture that looks across many, many other departments, and they can start building uh, capabilities that take advantage of that. For example, you know, if uh, if you see um, fraudulent activities coming from a set of IP addresses, for example, well, you might be able to blacklist those across all your customers, uh, so that immediately all your customers can share that intelligence and benefit from it.
0: Well, and we also, looking from the user point of view, have seen how modernizing citizen services has really become a a top priority for a lot of civilian agencies. Talk to us a little about how does identity as a service enable IT teams to really expand across different user groups more efficiently?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, when you are a citizen and you're trying to access uh, government services, one pain point is is often if you go to each different agency and you have to go through a a lengthy onboarding system that, you know, sometimes might require you to to identity proof yourself and you have to wait, you know, a week, two weeks until your credential comes. That's a little bit of a hassle for the citizen, right? If government organization can leverage identity as a service, there's also a way so that the citizen only does the identity proof. Once, and then when he or she access uh, the government services across different agencies, they just need to authenticate. They don't need to redo that identity proofing step that can be sometimes uh, uh, cumbersome if if the need to have a high level of assurance in terms of the identity proof is there. I, I think that the other benefit is that as as an agency, uh, you can then leverage the the Identity as a Service to be able to provide more advanced authentication capabilities and more diverse ones. And you as an agency don't need necessarily to stay up to speed at what's the latest and the greatest, but you can leverage your service provider to provide you those things. And and because the service provider handles the identity proofing and also the authentication, when there's a new authentication scheme that comes through, you don't need to redo all your application. You're just leveraging that service and and it adapts to the new capabilities that comes on board in the industry.
0: Well, Eve, as we look farther out on the technology horizon, what are you seeing in the way of uh, technology developments that are enabling things like passwordless experiences and the identity and access front?
1: Yeah, on the standard side, there's been a big development uh, that came to fruition uh, last year, standard called uh, FIDO2, uh, which is managed by the FIDO Alliance and W3C. It's the, the standard body that standardizes HTML. And that I do to standard provide authentication strength that in some configuration is, is similar to what you would get with CAC, but with a much simpler infrastructure and also much better support for mobile and cloud application. That standard is still maturing. I think the standard itself is in a really good spot right now. We've seen a real take-up from vendors like Microsoft, Apple, and Google in their respective operating system and browsers and as applications now take advantage of that. That's something that we think is going to have a a stronger impact on the security ecosystem. The thing that's interesting with that standard is you could envision a place where this could cohabit on the same PIV or CAC card so that you could have a, a transition and you would be able to leverage the, the latest capability from that standard while still having a fallback on, on PIV and CAC for area that might not have been updated to that standard or area that that standard is not designed to address like digital signature or encryption, for example. Another area also that has seen a lot of uh, evolution the past few years is push notification, where the idea here is that you have a different channel to do the authentication than the one that you use to access your application. So you might go to your web app, authenticate, and then your phone would get push notification that asks you if you approve login. It's an elegant way to raise the security while still leveraging the infrastructure that you have, the smartphones, especially for uh, season access, that might be a great way to raise the level of security security without requiring them to um, purchase a specific authenticator.
0: Finally, Eve, what recommendations would you give federal CIOs and IT leaders to make sure that they're staying agile and flexible enough to accommodate these new changes in identity and access platforms?
1: I think, you know, if uh, if they don't already have one, would be to invest into uh, an identity provider that can support uh, multiple authentication methods and uh, plug all your application into that IDP. This provides you a way to uh, modernize the authentication to your application by plugging into the IDP while still knowing that your authentication capability will be easily evolving as the IDP itself gets updated. So if there's a new standard that comes along or there's a specific threat that needs to be addressed, now you just need to update that IDP instead of updating your 10, 20, uh, application one by one. So that's an investment that's uh, definitely uh, worth its salt.
0: Well, those are some great recommendations, and thank you for sharing those. And wish we had a little more time today, but I'm afraid we'll have to leave it there. Yves Massar, thanks for joining us today to talk about identity authentication and passwordless solutions on the horizon. And, of course, we'd like to thank HID Global for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage of IT modernization in government on Fedscoop.com and our Fedscoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash, your host. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.